Yo, how are you doing, folks? Welcome to episode 22 of the Simple Life Podcast. I am Simpacard. As always, I'm joined by Maka. How are you today, sir? Not too bad, not too bad. I just want to uh, extend another apology there to, to Marty because this is the second time we've had him on in a couple of days because we had a crash out halfway through the first recording and we ended up with half an episode. Pain in the arse, but you learn as you go. Indeed. Sorry, indeed. mate. Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. About Welcome it. back. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> so uh, today's guest, as you will have just heard, has been on the podcast before, but not that you wonderful folks have heard him yet. So for the second time, I would like to introduce uh, Marty. He's the founder of The Goods. He's also been involved with the launch of several of the brands, shops and businesses within the sector. Um, very good fucking person. I've got a lot of time for Marty. He's uh, helped me a lot over the years. Um, the brand that he has created as well is quite bespoke and quite unique. And I think that he is one of the sort of only UK-based brands that are actually uh, representative of the culture. They are not just seeking to profit and capitalize from the people that consume cannabis. They're actively trying to represent them. So without further ado, I will pass you on to uh, talk to Marty for the first time, guys. Thanks for having me, by the way, second time. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll do. That was a good introduction, but I'll... I'll start it off with my my entry into cannabis and maybe talk a bit about myself. So, um, yeah, I got into this industry uh, like four years ago, coming back from university. So I just graduated with an undergraduate and um, I came back looking for an immediate job. Uh, I was going to do a master's. So I needed something that worked around the school hours and found myself uh, responding to an Instagram ad for a retail position in London for one of the first CBD shops of its kind. So I, you know, I immediately pretty much a week into me landing back into this country uh, for my studies, I was working in this industry. It was my first pro proper professional job and uh, I loved it. Did it under the wing of a great mentor who taught me lots about cannabis and um, especially CBD. Um, bring, you know, it was a completely new thing to me back then. I'd only really experienced uh, THC through my through my consumption. Obviously I'd been consuming all kinds of other cannabinoids, but without knowing it. Um, and yeah, six months later, eight months later, I decided I wanted to do my own thing. So I started my first brand. Um, that didn't take long to be successful. I guess everything I learned in that, in that retail position was very useful in starting my own business. And soon afterwards, I started to bring more people on board, especially my family. And uh, we, built more brands to the point where we, you know, we're, we're here now with the goods, which is our latest brand and definitely the one that holds my most passion. This is really uh, characteristic of how I like to, how I like to enjoy cannabis, which is the fun way. And uh, yeah, we're building a lifestyle out of it, focusing on things that can be legally sold in the UK and with ambitions to eventually flip the switch and focus on THC. So excellent. Yeah, it fucking looks good too, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the uh Oh, oh got a little bit of like, oh no, it's so he's back, out. he's back, he's back. He's back. It's um, all good. So, we haven't lost this episode yet. That was gonna say introducing for the third time, <laughs> That's folks. It, yeah. Um <laughs> so so that that was quite uh, concise. It's it's pretty much covered my first question, which would have been sort of uh, sort of when and why and how you got into this industry. So I suppose um my question would be, why is the goods focused on vapables? Yeah, um, we're really focused on the most immediate uh, affecting consumption method. And also, to be honest, um, the one that 
resonates most within our team. We're all in, inhaling cannabis. Very few of us are taking, you know, drops or sublingual, you know, the water soluble capsules or edibles. We're really the kind of people that uh, look for immediate uh, effects. And also we're social. So, you know, we, we focus on things that can be shared or done in groups. Mm. Excellent, excellent. Well, you've, yeah, you've obviously uh, you've got the dab pens and you've got sort of uh, various uh, extracts and sort of products. And so it's, it's quite interesting that the goods, I suppose, then your company are in quite a good position, given what's happening with uh, the FSA, the Food Safety uh, Agency in the UK, who are going to inherit, uh, inherit sorry, uh, CBD regulation from, well, basically two weeks from now. Um, as far as I'm aware, that's only for consumables and they haven't classed vapes as consumables. So does this mean that you won't be regulated by Novel Foods? Indeed, um, because they don't fall through the novel foods category, we're for now in a very safe position and our products won't be off the shelf or tested through any, you know, typical applications. But, um, you know, we want to eventually delve into some of those consumables maybe down the line, especially, um, you know, working with I, I want to be in the sort of warm foods industry with cannabis eventually, not necessarily the, the, the gummies and things like that, but working with restaurants and creating unique products. But to be honest, it's a bit difficult to do that right now. So holding off, focusing on inhalables for now. Yeah, but there was a, I can't remember the name of it. There was a restaurant sort of come shop in Brighton, wasn't it? They got, got raided the other year for it. Um, and and Can I Kitchen. That was the one, yeah. There's been a few other sort of projects that I've heard of here and there. And yeah, because of the various other than regulations of restauranting and that sort of industry and business, it then becomes yeah quite complex to uh, to apply sort of cannabinoids, even novel sort of isolates um, to food and sell it and regulate it in that way. It is an industry that I think really does need some, some attention because we all benefit massively from the consumption of, of cannabinoids. We all even have just eaten raw cannabis. So if, if, if these uh, these places could then provide the actual sort of um, carbonous material, the, the leaves and everything else, that is highly nutritious. Mm. So that plus then the phytocannabinoids means you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting something that is really highly nutritious and something that is uh, highly supplemental to your endocannabinoid system. I want to see that kind of become the new wheatgrass shot of wheatgrass thing do you remember yeah. that thing no, have no. you uh have you tried that uh karma hemp hemp juice that's sold in sort of like frozen cubes no where do i get this they're I in think, um i think i have a, a while ago yeah they're in ireland they've got like i think they've got the biggest organic certified or like the first organic certified hemp farm in europe <laughs> and i remember when i was working shop floor um few years ago entering this industry we had a guy come over from that company and they uh they brought some samples over and i've I got to say they i mean the flavors they're not aesthetic so you don't really drink it for the flavors or anything but in terms of um feeling good afterwards wh whether it was a placebo or not i did feel good and i felt healthy you know it yeah. wasn't like some of those overly sugary um smoothies or whatever where you know, you're meant to feel some, you're meant to do good for your body. But you I'd imagine it to be slightly bitter, but yeah. I definitely have it. You know, like anyway, I, I'm, a, <clears throat> I have something in my fridge. I'm not going to go get it now, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it, um, <clears throat> but I, I do uh, a, a sort of a daily shake, almost a daily shake for most parts of the week. 
Um, it, but it's entire. It, it it's uh, based on Rhonda Perlman's um, daily kale kale shake or whatever, and it has basically every type of superfood that you need in this thing. And then you neck you neck the fucking thing. It's not the most palatable thing in the world, but honestly, I'm on this now months, and it it gives you boundless energy, and it just it does make mm. you feel really really good. And the poos, oh, yeah, water slide. <laughs> oh my god! So the image I've just had in my head there. If we ever make this a success, you're gonna have an entire product lines of nutri- product line of nutraceuticals, and that's gonna be the tagline: the poos. <laughs> no, but it's the truth, right? So I definitely want to see that become because we know it's fucking good for you we know mm. full plant we know every part of it is fucking good for you mm. so i want to see fucking athletes on it do you know that kind of way i want to see that mm. Wait, to be fair if we get the margins down if we were to truly have a global um a global industry you would see all of these multivitamins and minerals would have cannabinoids in they would have um same within the omegas instead of deriving them from fish oils or whatever we'd be deriving them from hemp seed oil do you know what I mean? It's we can we can get um, we can utilize every part of this. I mean, even waste parts at the minute, things that people put into mulch. So, like I said, with the leaves, the leaves and the sticks. In some studies, uh, they found the dependent on the environment that they're growing in can still produce up to nine percent cannabinoids. So, if we're then wasting that base, yeah. mater- if we're then wasting that material, it, it could literally then go into all of these other things. If we then strip it off, and we would then um take the nutrition from the uh the leaves and whatever from the from the cannabis plant we could then y- use that plus uh isolated cannabinoids to fortify in grains so the same way we have niacin or whatever in cereals so we could then fortify uh grain foods and everything else with non-psychoactive cannabinoids or low psychoactive cannabinoids and again if they're in the acidic form they're non-psychoactive because they're, they're they haven't been carboxylated mm. and then because they're consumed rather than combusted we're not um altering them over it's a it's a gray area in the law but if we got rid of the law it could create this bespoke boutique industry of cannabis as a food supplement as truly as a food supplement yeah well there's definitely room for uh that sector in the industry with the oversupply of all this biomass in europe i'm just thinking of all the people all the people that have over overgrown all these hemp farms and they've got surplus leaves and sort of what most would term as waste material and they don't even have the money to extract from it so they do end up just disposing of it or turning it into like a compost or something but really um it has the most value i guess well this is is the joke of it in a lot of ways is post-drug the sticks will be worth more than the flower because of things like graphene Hmm. once we truly get our head around sort of using graphene as a as a super capacitor so we use uh, layers of cannabis derived graphene and you build them up in a lattice and they make a better supercapacitor than lithium ion cell batteries. Mm. So rather than sending kids down mines halfway around the world and then shipping it over and increasing a massive carbon footprint to then have these eco cars, we could be growing them, creating the yeah. composite body out of the, the cannabis fibrous material, <clears throat> mixing with things like soy and flax, which is what Henry Ford did. And then um, powering them with these these cannabis supercapacitor batteries. You can even still make them hybrids with today's technology with a graphene supercapacitor battery and a bioethanol engine. So it could then run cannabis biofuels. Mm. Would you consider that uh, at your company, uh, if you if you were <clears throat> eligible to say 
fully utilize every part of the of the product would you consider running your companies with a combination of solar and graphene batteries yeah well uh we're already at the point where we're using solar energy on our italian farm really yeah yeah yeah. um, that's awesome what what we have is we've we actually bought um a really unique location it's like a all it was a supermarket before we moved in and they mm-hmm. built all the infrastructure for that solar energy and we've added to it and there are benefits too so for anyone that's interested in the business side of uh of growing cannabis there are grants for um you know uh, onboarding green uh, initiatives and this is just one of them that you can do um I wonder if there's anything, yeah, there's got to be, if you're, if you're the kind of, like, I would be interested in doing the graphene biofuels kind of uh, opportunity and, uh, you know, to see if I can get rewarded for doing something like that, because it is going to cost money. I would look to see if there are research and development grants and things like that so that it's, uh, it's not such a heavy cost burden. There probably are a lot of academic institutions <laughs> as well out there that would be very interesting in, in, in doing so. Um, because obviously that these are the institutions that typically look a lot further forward than politics, that look for, further forward than the limitations of legislation. They look at potential, they look at facts, they look at evidence. And the evidence and the fact is that cannabis is a multi-versatile resource is exponential, the growth on it at this point. Once we truly crack into understanding how to utilize this to, um, to store energy, I mean, there's then a fact that if you run salt water over graphene, it generates energy. Yeah. So this is something I wrote in a Weed World article like a couple of years ago of, titled How Cannabis Can Save the World. And I talked about the idea of creating a desalinization plant. So a kind of like an oil rig that we just pull out into the ocean, we dump it there. It's built with uh, cannabis uh, graphene carbon nanotubes that are made of then graphene. So as the salt water is then funneled through it into the filtration system, it generates the energy for it. You attach solar, you attach wind, you attach tidal. We attach then some cannabis uh, supercapacitor batteries to store all of this energy into self-insulate site that then mm-hmm. just down to a, a certain calculation would then pass a tipping point where it would generate enough of its own energy by providing clean water. Mm. Yeah, that's a great idea. Is, is anyone doing that right now? Or is that just a concept? No, it's, it's entirely just a, a concept. There are people playing with the idea of using uh, carb, uh, graphene nanotubes to and salt water to generate energy, but there's still, it's very much in its infancy. And mm. the limitations around it are a lot of the high-end academics won't look at this because of the drug side of it. It's a murky, dirty, you know, there's hippies and that over there. I don't want to deal with that. Do you know once, what, a, once, sorry, sorry I was just going to sort of um, add to this sort of semi-creatively. Do you, do you remember they did the, um, I should probably come up here, um, <laughs> <laughs> the <clears throat> the solar power plane that was just constantly flying around the world. Do you remember that? It yeah. was just like fucking perpetually yeah. going, right? They should do that, what you, your model, right, essentially, but have it constantly floating perpetually forward and then those scientifically engineered caterpillars that eat plastic, put, put, them, put them on it and send it over to that, that big fuck off place that, mm. um, you know, that, Gar- that, that, small co- yeah, that small country that is basically a fucking an <laughs> island. <clears throat> and it could just perpetu- perpetually fucking start shifting the, although are we talking about here? Um, sorry, I'm getting a bit carried away. Um, are we talking about, effectively changing the ocean f- from a salt water to a fresh water 
No, no, no. It'd be you'd have to then pump it back onto land because I think it's something like ninety-five to ninety-seven percent or something like that of the Earth's water is salt water that's available right. as water. The stuff that's frozen is majority of it is fresh water, not salinated. But because of gravity in the water table, when it melts off wherever it's melting, it falls to the lowest point, which is salt water. So then as soon as it's in there, it's it's in a very expensive process to currently remove salt from it. But as we've seen mm. in the past six months, water futures have been put onto indexes in a few uh, stock exchanges around the world so people can trade on the futures of water. That's a scary fucking sign. That means that they're starting to really get serious about commodifying it as a resource. So mm. we lose the basic right of access to water. And then you think of, again, company like Nestle, who we've obviously recently entered CBD, um, they're the deal that they've got in California means that they siphon off an ungodly amount of water and pay basically fuck all. I know. While there's people in droughts there and it's only going to get fucking worse as we see the increase of desertification because of deforestation and all our other uh, activities because we're refusing to then look at using cannabis. I mean, fuck, if we switched over, what was calculation? If we switched over all toilet paper in the world to cannabis, you'd save something like 8 billion trees a year. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah ridiculous it is fucking ridiculous you think it, it, a cannabis plant you could grow big industrial ass fucking really good fibers oh, yeah. hemp and it, so it, it would just it would grow tight compact small areas we could actually then have it so because of its bioremediable properties it would then take up heavier elements but it wouldn't be a factor because it's not then getting combusted in the same way yeah it's been pro- applied to a, a sensitive area but there's processes we could do to deal with a lot of that so you can have the benefit of every time you wipe your ass, you're making the world a better place. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one, <laughs> it's almost one to one, isn't it? It's like, how many people are there in the world? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, it's like seven point something billion people at the minute. Jesus. Well, you know, like a lot of people- say billion? Oh, we might like be crossed. I was going to say, people might not realize how far the, how close the industry is to actually getting there. Like, I feel like um, industrial hemp, is what we're like industrializing it even more um so there are genetics out there that are designed to be uh harvested with specific like combines so the, that the genetics have been grown so that you know the it reaches a certain height and it's convenient for certain machines to come in and and automate the harvesting process and we've got a few of those we've got like a cbg strain that's designed for sort of like a mass scale harvest and um I'm sure that that's kind of like, that's probably the most viable genetic that we have for something like graphene extraction, because it's really stock heavy. It's really not uh, such a flower, big flowering plant. Certainly doesn't have a lot of leaves. Yeah. And and this is, I mean, we've seen, I was in, uh, I'm not going to name them, but I was in one of my friend's grow tents the other day and he's got this freak of of, of a genetic and it's just, it came out of, uh, I think, a five-pack of others. All of them came out, as they always do, with the slight variance in their genetics and their uh, expressions. But this thing came out with, you know, when the leaves just do that, and they've got wrinkles and the fur and they unfold and they're just mm. monstrous, but they never become the pointed, traditional, jagged shape of a cannabis leaf. The, oh. buds, the buds look like cauliflower, tiny little holding-on little cauliflower heads on this and it's just weird as hell but the the reason that i bring that up is just as a visual sort of point that that happens in the variance of, of, of a somewhat stabilized uh breeding program once we really start to go okay grab that genetic grab this genetic we need to breed and move i mean there's already out there there's companies working on uh 
flower flowerless um cannabis there are ones that are working on only terpene cannabis and there are ones that are working on only flav- uh, flavonoid cannabis we have a we have a genetic that's literally zero cannabinoids it's just pure terps you know i was yeah. thinking i was wondering if that flower would be uk legal but it's still it's crazy that it wouldn't be Wait, yeah under the license unfortunately it's illegal to cultivate any uh, cultivar of cannabis sativa l as a genus anything that falls into cannabis without permission from the fucking home office and again that's one of the things that i think holds back innovation most um because there are some unbelievable breeders here in the uk some of the people who've created brands that have already been marketing themselves that have been on the scene for a long time that attend all of the events that have built brand reputation um those individuals if they're given the opportunity to really expand and work i think could provide so much to the legal industry but because they're ostracized and criminalized they're at war. So it's, I was talking to Phil Monk earlier today and he, he described it eloquently earlier is that the position that unfortunately I sit in and that he sits in is we're on the battleground because we haven't found a, we haven't gone to a legal route. We haven't created a business or gone to have to, to do it the proper way as it were. We're still, we've left ourselves on, on the front line. So although innovation is occurring within industry, we're not really within that industry. And I think that there's still a lot of the people that could, change that industry for the better of everybody that are marginalized and left on the battleground so they are one knock on the door away from losing their liberty whereas if they were on the other side of the fence if somebody gave them that special little piece of paper they'd be earning a hundred grand for the things they know they're probably earning more than that now on the street but they're they're dealing with a criminal world they're they're having a (laughs) rata you know what i mean because of the risk yeah Yeah. yes but again so it just i feel that once those individuals and that knowledge base is allowed to come in yeah. and we can expand that so we can go from breeding and farming and then come down from lab engineered stuff. Cause there's, I don't know if you saw um, a few weeks ago, there was two genetic companies in California, uh, sorry, in America, one of them is California. I can't remember off the top of my head where the second one was from, but they were given global proprietary right to license the auto flowering traits of cannabis. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah. So what these guys are basically doing is they say they have a way to manipulate any genetic, any cultivar and provide with it a, what do they call it? A day neutral cycle. So instead of it needing to work from 1812 down to 12-12, it triggers itself, the hormone production switches and it become, goes into flower. Rather than needing that process, it they can take that genetic, auto-flower it. I'm air-quoting for people that can't hear that. Um, I don't know what the sound of air quotes would be anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so then they they then license but they then license it back to the person that provided them the genetics. You give them your genetics, they engineer them, and then they license them back to you. So therefore they own your genetics. I think is I've heard that people like I've heard I know that this isn't even new technology. It's not like a I think it's a chemical reaction, isn't it? You sort of I can't remember. I know that you know there's the reaction with silver nitrate to feminize seeds. I'm wondering if it's something similar to that to manipulate a genetic and it, it feels a bit unfair <laughs> they've been given rights to that to be honest but i think what they've done is they'll have a proprietary technology their extraction their not extraction process their manipulation process whether it be through ch- chemical alteration or um reaction or whether it be through some crisper form of of, of doing it if you know what i mean <laughs> well i mean this technology is out there and you've got to then think of what could be benefited by industry being able to take over the market like that? If somebody could could manipulate and create the perfect cultivar, whatever that is, 
or whatever is thought to be that if somebody creates the coca-cola of cannabis Not the one thing that is recognized and, and desired everywhere star dog well, you know, but, they get that, yeah, but it, <laughs> the, that's the beautiful thing of cannabis. Unless we engineer it, unless they do something to manipulate and hold it, it will vary. Yeah, as you great. as you found as a hemp farmer, you plant hemp at 0.15. You, you, if you leave it there for a few cycles with stress and, and to genetic fade, it would then have a much higher THC count. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's a problem that most farms will have and they need to tend to their fields post-harvest to make sure that they don't run that risk. Yeah, which is a shame really, because again, if we could just, if people could just grow, if it was a case of literally, I could have a few plants here, people could then have a lot, the, we could grow on any scale. If it was literally allowed on that, um, like that, I think that would give us all that first opportunity to really get ahead on this. Whereas at the minute it's looking like the big boys, the, the really, really big boys are just gonna own all of this. Yeah. They're already getting the patents. They've already secured technology. I mean, the other side of this is then in the West, we're still so fucking slow. In China, you can face the death penalty for cannabis, right? As it currently stands. I found out the other day, China's basically the only country in the world where it's illegal to be high on cannabis. <laughs> Look at the consumption what of the cannabis. What the actual is consumption legal. is high. Actual is consumption, not just possession. Fucking you being stoned hell. is a criminal offense. Yeah, but... Out of the over 600 patents for technology and derivables from hemp, half of them are owned by China. Mm. Half of them. You think of the amount of land that they've got, you think of the, the amount of export that they already have as an industry. They are moving fast and, and thick with this. As soon as they can get their fucking uh, their heads around the um, quantum, um, the quantum computing and whatnot, cannabis graphene can make quantum computing batteries. So again, we don't need the lithium. We don't need these are the very rare minerals that would then limit access to this technology. It's almost like somebody sat down and went, oh, I wonder if there is any sort of restriction that we can put on the natural uh, reproductive cycle of cannabis uh, in order to fully tunnel like exuberant costs for the, the farmers that actually want to fucking grow it. Do you know what I mean? Do you know, oh, what? You can't. You cannot just leave it go over. We're gonna have to. They're gonna have to fucking pay for uh, you know some sort of process to come in and sort that shit out. Where does that money go? Who gets that money? Do you know what I mean that's? Uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? uh, yeah. Anyway, there's so question. many ways, so many angles for people to come in and and you know create premiums essentially and barriers for people to enter the industry. I think we're at that point where people are creating a lot of hurdles uh, rather than working in a way to move the industry quickly which is really what we need. We need to create access and open up the market because especially for the UK, we've got such a limited ability in what we can legally do here as just a normal person. Obviously, if you're a large institution and you've got quite good financial backing, you could pick up a THC license and you can start to develop um, a range and probably plug it into one of the clinics that have opened up for cannabis prescriptions. But Yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. As you said, it's... The pe a lot of the people who have got through first have slammed the door in the face of those behind, but they have got there because of everybody else who didn't get through that door. Unfortunately, a lot of the people who hold the licenses today, a lot of the people who are involved in, in the, the industry are there because of the people who fell on the battleground. The war is still going on. My door could still go at any time. Any one of us as, as consumers um, could still be targeted. We could still be stopped because of the way we smell on the street which could then lead to a search of our pockets, which then goes, oh, there's some weed here and some money. 
your house key. Let's go look at your house. Then we go through your social media and whatever, or the signs of dealing or whatever, or this, you can destroy your life very quickly over something so small. Hmm. Yet we then see things like Wales Online publishing raid after raid after raid story, then a very weird story going, meet the middle class people growing their own cannabis at home. Yeah. It's part of the gentrifying, the whitewashing, the classism. It's the it's the transition of the traditional prohibition model to this prohibition 2.0, where the people that then shat on us and stigmatize us and went, hey, you lower class druggies, you just no, 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 inherit and take the industry without then recompensing the people who gave it to them. We have stood for decades controlling supply, cultivating in the face of these raids. We have we have had social consumption. We have had these events. We have we've organized and had demonstrations. We've had protests. We've created um, campaigns, and we we've championed and helped each other and developed. I mean, most of sort of the the recognition of medical cannabis, yes, was pushed over the line by a handful of people with a very polished media campaign, but it got there because of everybody speaking up and telling their story. All of a sudden, people feeling heard, feeling safe to do so, and being able to go, I, I consume cannabis, it helps with X, Y, and Z. We're now approaching the third, three years down the line since the legalization of medical cannabis in this country. And as you say, we are still so vastly restricted. Yeah, I'm, I'm just surprised. I never thought that flour would ever be one of the prescribable products. And that, that to me was a big step forward, even though, as we know, it's not that accessible. Yeah, but I mean, it's still, it's under the uh, legislation, it's illegal to smoke that flower. If you roll that into a joint and you smoke it, that's still Schedule 1 cannabis, not Schedule 2 medical cannabis. Medical cannabis cannot, again, I'm echoing there, medical cannabis cannot be combusted. It can only be vaporized or made into a, a tincture or an is oil. That or right? an edible. Is that, that right? Is that right? If you get a prescription, correct. if you get a prescription from whatever fucking service, you cannot just like whip oh. out a fucking paper. Yes. <laughs> that's 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 not medical according to them. Even though we Fuck know that, that combustion, there is an argument still, but combustion and vaporization are the highest bioavailability for the access of cannabis. As, as Marty was saying before, the onset is 60 to 90 seconds. So you like that shit, you boom. Even the, So herbal vaporizer is arguable to get you to the same sort of place. I'm sorry, there are some incredible products on the market, but I have yet to find a herbal vaporizer where I will get cessation. I will get that feeling, a satiety, sorry. I will get that feeling of, oh, that's enough. Do you know what I mean? A joint, oh, yeah. I, I can power three fast talks in and go, oh, oh, oh. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? And it's just that, there. And it's just true. there. That is true. You can so, get you can get Blitzkrieg <laughs> um, using fucking vapor, uh, you know, vaporization as, as I sort of mentioned on the live, I think the percentages are fucking i don't know 10 not almost tenfold you know from from smoking a joint how much actual cannabinoids you get into your system versus you know having a a, a vape a, a vape fucking hell yes Words. well I, <laughs> I wonder what happens the day someone overpowers their vape and it accidentally combusts and you know lands them in a bunch of trouble because it stinks out <laughs> exactly, exactly there's your argument so where is then what qualifies as combustion is combustion um the act of physically lighting it on fire or is it heating it to a point where the uh the material itself burns because we've all seen when you vape too hard. I mean, even I've got this volcano, so I mean, it's well, I've just shut on the technology. I do still enjoy it, but it, it's it's it, different. For me, it's it'll, different. Yeah, but, yeah, but it'll never. I'm unfortunately, I've, I think I've discussed this on the podcast, but I'm addicted to combustion. I started smoking tobacco when I was like eight. 
I had a deal with my mother when I was about nine and a half. I'd stop stealing money off her if she bought us 10 lamb and butter every other day. And that got me through. And I kind of had that problematic relationship with combustion since. Then when I moved on to like rolling cigarettes and then rolling my and smoking my own sort of weed when I was like 14 plus, it's always been the ritual. It's been the art of getting the stuff together. And even when I've quit tobacco and it's, it's still the, the skin, it's the roach, it's the grind, it's the, mm. that action and that art and then passing it around. It feels tribal. It, it do you know what I mean? It it's feels social. really, pri really primal. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's bringing everything together, um, which is, yeah, ritual is, is the right word for it, I think. But you're mm. right. I mean, obviously, vaporization is healthier. And if I'm honest, in an ideal situation, for those that would be able, I'd imagine that every form of consumption would be used as a mixture. Do you know what I mean? People would have it in their cooking. People would be you know, oh, I'll have, I, I don't feel like smoking because I'm, you know, I'm X, Y, Z reason or whatever. So you'll have a small bit of the vapor, vapor, and then you might sit down, watch a film, roll a big fucking fatty. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's, it's use, I suppose, as well. So if you then you roll a big fatty and you smoke it, that's going to smell big fluming clouds. Yeah. You hitting a little, you know, a little, little dab pen somewhere on the slide. It's portable. You can no one can really see you doing it. The smell is minimal and it often just smells heavily of terps rather than that. The festival smell of weed, if you know what I mean. The, that generic smell of weed, the, the non-terpene smell of just cannabis everywhere. You, know, you just walk yeah. down the street like, oh, and it just hits you first, then maybe an after uh, tone of whatever the actual cultivar was. But that just generic sort of smell of weed, yeah, it gets, gets you in a lot of fucking trouble. So I suppose that allows you to consume in different ways so you wouldn't then take an edible and go out on, on your day, but then end of it, actually, maybe you would, depending on how your tolerance is. Oh, choice, man. No, well, exactly no. that. But then what it does with the limitation of saying that you can't combust your medical cannabis means that if you want to combust your cannabis to get the therapeutic benefits of it, you can't be using that as medicine. So if, that, if that's the case, all they're doing <laughs> is, shoot, is shooting themselves oh, in the shit. foot. Well, this is why I don't believe in the medical paradigm. I'm, I'm not a medical user. I qualify for, under, a few condition, under a few conditions. I would be able to get a prescription. I currently can't afford to pay one, nor if I wasn't in a position, would I pay for one? Hmm. Because it feels to me disingenuous that I could buy protection and leave the people that I've stood to represent. Even if, even if I wasn't, I hadn't have done what I've done for the past five years. I still don't think in my heart of hearts that I would get a prescription because it feels... No. Like I'm, it feels a betrayal in some ways. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it has to be contextual, mate. I mean, if you were in fucking utter desperation, right, at the end of your fucking tether, I mean, really, really, then nobody should hold it against you if you if you were to go and and do that. I mean, that's bullshit. Do you know what I kind of mean? Okay. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd never begrudge anybody doing that. That's not, not what I'm saying. So, not so what, what I just mean is that even you, I mean, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. You wouldn't have to. You, any sort of subliminal feeling in that manner is nonsense. I mean, if, uh, sorry, the, uh, the options available to most people are not good. And definitely, I, I, I get why you're not getting the medical prescription, I guess, is to not support uh, our, whilst it's our only option outside of uh, illegal consumption, it's not the right option. It's not, uh, it, I didn't know that you can combust 
the flower that you get prescribed. I mean, it's lit. Yeah. We're adults. <laughs> but if but if we were adults, then we wouldn't be having this conversation at all because yeah. we would be allowed all drugs. They would be regulated to be the safest, purest, most um, trackable, Optimal. traceable product. So that if somebody died of an ecstasy pill, you'd be able to find the manufacturer, go through, find the assembly worker, find the chemist, find the individual, and go, what the fuck did you yeah. do? Check yeah. the logs. Oh my God, we put in far too much of one compound and it did this. Boom, suit the lawsuit, blah, etc. Accountability. Somebody goes to jail. Yeah. That needs to exist. It could exist across the fucking board. But if we tiptoe and go down this bloody route of medicinalizing everything, look at the first ketamine clinic has just opened in the UK. We've now got the FDA in America, the Food and Drug Authority. They have allowed in the past gotta be two years now, actually, um, a ketamine nasal spray called the Sketamine that's produced by Johnson and Johnson. They've allowed a cocaine nasal spray i can't remember the company that makes it but it's called numbrino which is a hell of a name for it uh they've obviously approved epidiolex they then went further to deschedule epidiolex in america um and they've just uh given preliminarily approval for a small trial uh with mdma for maps it was part with the uh, veterans association in america mm. so all at the same time if i were to go and take a pill at a rave i'm a criminal if I would have, even if I would have then got taken in, a, in their context of a medical or whatever and went with a few mates and we were, oh, we're going to go have a quiet fire in the woods and we're all going to get proper tribal and like cuddly and fucking have a good chat and really put the world to rights and shit. No, that still is criminalized. Same with ketamine. I, I've had mates that have had serious, serious dependency issues with ketamine because of its huge potential as an antidepressant. But the set and setting and the access of it and the culture that comes with it can be quite problematic for people. But it's problematic because of the stigma around it. So if I then think of the, we had two deaths of Boomtown one year. So Boomtown was a festival in the UK in Winchester that I used to frequent every year. And then they had a big problem with ketamine one year. The next year, it was like all of the other drug consumers were, were against the ketamine consumers. They were like, you're giving us a bad name. You're letting down the team, you know, a dirty druggy with people with literally rings of cork still hanging from the, from the fucking thing, smoking like a 20 box of cigarettes and fucking down in the three liter bottle of cider. You know what I mean? Yeah. So th that sort of stigma is then going to be furtherly created by this pharma pharmaceuticalization of these compounds. And so, so that, that, in my opinion, is one of the reasons why I kind of fight against this. I don't think I would have the rev some of the revelatory experiences I have had on, say, combinations of LSD and DMT in a clinical setting. I understand that they've built it to the best that they can, but the profound comes from the mysterious, in my opinion, and the mysterious is not to be found in a gentrified homogenized cleaned out sanitized area it's it's in the world it's do you know what i mean I, I feel most alive and get the most benefit from taking it's in the dirt yeah when i am barefoot in the woods yeah. i have built a fire i have gone right i'm gonna go blow my consciousness open and i'm gonna accept the world for what it is i'm gonna ask the questions i seek to ask of the universe and then try to integrate the lessons and the knowledge that i've acquired from that experience into my life Whereas I know that they tried to have integration as part of the therapies within these clinics and whatever, I still, maybe it is just my own prejudice or whatever. So I don't hold it against the individuals involved. I have quite a lot of respect actually for some of the doctors and, and clinicians involved in it, but I still just feel that it's disingenuous that they're allowed to medicinalize while we still go to, we still go to jail. Yeah. I think that kind of uh, the, the supervised um, trials, they, they work well for someone that's not got any experience with, with the the supplement in question you you've obviously got a lot of experience and you know exactly what you're doing but maybe like a you know someone that's just started to look at these things because they're legal 
just might not know where to start and that clinic might be or that supervised opportunity is the best first way and then obviously with a bit of experience they can do it their own way because everyone is a bit different like i wouldn't i personally wouldn't want to do anything like that in a in a in a supervised environment <laughs> I, I feel anxious like it, with, with strangers yeah. usually so. it has it has an inherent um anxiety attached to it for quite a quite a number of people i'd imagine me included yeah you know, that kind of way it'd be like mm. Yeah, plus also like it. you want I wouldn't be able to you want to focus on yourself, I assume. And I just feel like yeah, there'd be too many distractions mm. in that environment personally. That's just why I wouldn't want to Yeah. Well, I think as you said though, for individuals that haven't kind of I have grown up and had quite you know quite an quite an unusual life, but for people that haven't exactly had that entry point it is and it can be so profound and ex exceptionally life-changing you know like the lsd trials that were run at various universities and institutions around the world through, from the 50s through the, well, the mid 70s um some of the people that took part in that said it was the, the more one of the top five most profound experiences of their lives then they've had like kids marriage etc you know so it's uh, Bill Gates and other people said that LSD experiences were, were one of the most important and crucial turning points in their development as, as, as a person, for fuck's sake. Hmm. So I think, that, yeah, the more access we can have is, is a good thing. And a lot of the trials are smart to this because they're only looking for people that have never had experience. So, I mean, I've probably had 100 plus DMT experiences. So me going to one clinic and them expecting me to have an incredibly over, overly cartoonish sort of reaction to it would would it just wouldn't kind of happen. So they, they want that surprise element, the, the, the uncontrollable. They don't want, they almost don't want the data of what happens when people know how to use them. They yeah. want, they want the extreme data to then be able to go, okay, this is how we control it. And we put it into our control when actually most of the cultures of drugs look after themselves, except for things like say, unfortunately, uh, heroin, heroin users often because of the extreme stigma and the, um, the the rate of enforcement by the police. That means if you're using with a few people and somebody overdoses, you are in a horrible way, kind of better off leaving that person because you would get caught up with them and that would then destroy your life with it. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not justifying that them, no. that actions, but what I'm saying is that you're more likely unfortunately, to you are more likely to leave them. Yeah. And, and that happens far too often. Then people end up in, in dodgy situations. Whereas then with drugs that have less consequences or less perceived consequences, but are in the same classification, look at ecstasy at festivals. Very few people abandon their mates when they've taken, when they've taken pills or whatever, they have this sense of obligation and care and duty. And they're not then uh, with them, even if they themselves are consuming the same substance, there isn't that, um, uh, internalized sort of stigma around the culture and the culture then titrates it. So I remember events where like people are buying pills and that and the dealers are like, oh, only take them in halves. You get harm reduction advice from your dealer and you do it the same. So you get around four or five o'clock back in the days when you get like five pills for a tenner. So you double drop and then you'd half one with a mate at like four or five in the morning. You know what I mean? If you were still out in a rave going somewhere. And so that, even those actions, you were, you were controlling each other. You were looking out for each other. Oh yeah. Now the big thing, you know, I haven't been out of university for that long, less than 10 years. Um, and the most people that are experimenting have a test kit, which I'm sure is, is a difference. And, you know, over the past 20 years, I assume that people, people 20 years ago probably weren't able to just test their drugs at home, but now they can. And yeah. it shows that people aren't just, uh, like how many people might call them like druggies where we're not just looking to get smacked 
you know, like uh, yeah. looking to get legitimately what we're looking for. And um, yeah, it's just that, that, uh, that access to quality and traceability and everything, kind of like what the CBD market is starting to get. Yeah. Um, and, mm -hmm. and even with something that's not psychoactive like CBD, you can see that there's so much room to do it wrong. There needs to be oversight. There needs to be some kind of uh, regulation, obviously not the one that <laughs> seems to be forming, but um, these things it never it, fucking is though, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, right though. I mean, there are said it, no, no, I'm not going to fuck this up. Um, <clears throat> sedation like qualities to overuse of mm. um, CBD, <laughs> but other, other cannabinoids as well. Um, kind of a thing. So, Go ahead, mate. Go on. Yeah, you fucking chomping at the bit nah, to get in there. I just, I just, I, I can't know. I've, it's one of the things I kind of made a decision a few weeks ago to be like, I'm calling this whenever I see it. Unfortunately, CBD is not non-psychoactive. Didn't say that. It's, it's like, just it was sedator. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> no, so uh, M Marty said it sort of before, but it's it's psychoactive, did, yeah. just just not in it, just not in the same way, and it's. I make the same mistake all the time as well because it's become such a common phraseology. It's something we say say within the industry, within the community, within talking about sort of cannabis. It's just not euphoric inducing in the same way as THC is. So it doesn't give what to some people is that relief and that wonderful oof, but to others can be quite a frightening experience. Whereas CBD will then have more of a, it's a physiological sort of effect, but we know that it affects serotonin. It affects, I think it's 25 of the minor neural pathways in, in the in the brain um and again if you then look at the definition of what um a psychoactive drug is it's, it still fits that kind of criteria um but that that being said yeah it's about as benign as we can get as a component and derivative from cannabis and since as we can't get that right how the hell do we get to a point where we can allow you know shatter to be regulated in the uk because the, you're already seeing it now the kickback in washington state which was one of the first us uh, states to go first with colorado they voted late to 2012 to to allow this they're now getting a, a whole skunk reefer madness fucking bullshit coming and they're talking about trying to cap concentrates at 30 percent whoa how do you even get concentrates at 30 <laughs> percent this, this this is it and again so who's like who's that going to benefit because the industry has learned how to create beauty butane and non-solvent extracts to certain grades and bespoke because of the nature of the plant and what it will achieve yeah the only way to then get it to be low is to produce it and then to strip it back is to put in some proprietary process that then means that oh we hold the license to create that technology mm. You can't supply your product to the market unless you go through us. You know, you know what will happen, by the way. Like it, 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 people will start cutting that shatter. The what's happened in in the EU with CBD hash, which is basically most of the EU states are they have zero point two percent THC limits, and uh, everyone is trying to get in on the hashes and the flowers. So what's happening is people are pressing pollen, making like a, a pollen based hash, and the THC is over to zero point two percent. So in order to bring it back down, they'll find all kind of fillers, all kind of cutters to, to lower that, that THC limit. And people don't know. 
Like, you know, you could Google this and people don't know about it. It's what typically happens. It's very rare to have um, CBD hashes in the EU that are uncut. There are some, and they typically come from CBG dominant strains because those literally has their, can have 0% THC. Um, but I, I suspect the same will happen because they've done that and people have their processes in America lined up for high THC shatter. It, mm. you know, yeah. Um, I spoke with someone that was, you know, I was trying to speak with people in the industry about how to possibly decrease the THC in our solventless extract, which uh, was coming up over the 0.2 limit. And people were telling me that common practice in the EU is to mix beeswax in with your rosin to lower the THC and, you know, you have the same consistency. Now, obviously, I'm not going to do that, but that just tells you a little bit about wow. how, how people are feel forced into they feel you know they'll say that they feel forced that's to fucking crazy all, all the while right where you can get i mean <clears throat> you know brew dog have you heard of brew dog yeah yeah i know them yeah. brew dog um decent beer company like very very tasty stuff very well funded through crowdcube i don't know what that means but <laughs> no, it's just crowdfunding <laughs> they did the whole crowdfunding um yeah so they I've actually, I think I've met, is it James? I think I've met James. He's a nice lad. Um, I used to work in one of the flagship stores in in, um, in London. Um, one of the, blah, blah, blah. They used to fucking launch the beers there. Let's put it that way, right? I'm trying to look for fancy words. It was one of those places that was well, well <laughs> that yeah. was well, you know, well-renowned enough. And I remember they had this thing called Tactical Nuclear Penguin which was yeah which was a beer which was a beer right but it came it came in a in a, in a paper bag obviously a, uh, you know bottle or whatever and it's uh, i think it was around 31 32% alcohol think about that a beer that had 32% right <laughs> and it it wasn't bad it was exactly what you would expect kind of a thing and it wasn't my my um my type you know that kind of thing it was more of a sort of a novelty right but here it, then it became this sort of competitive thing with a german company in order to break the world record of what is the highest uh, abv that you can get in a beer right and i think the the, the following one that they had was called sink the bismarck and that came in around about the early 40-ish percent mark and uh, I, I had i tried a small small bit of that not bad. It sort of burnt your chest as it went down like a shot of whiskey or whatever. Yeah. It's like yeah. You, you'd have you'd have this this taste of beer like for hours afterwards. Cool. Um, but then a German company came back and they developed a process of f f freezing some part of the process where it forced the alcohol content to actually go higher than it was normally um, able to actually do. You know, and. Um, yeah the german company came back anyway and and they they beat it um and then fucking bruto came back and they had one called the end of history and it came in a stuffed stoat right i think it was like 800 fucking pounds a bottle or 600 pounds a bottle or something like that and it was like four of them um and three of them i think two or three of them were sold on the fucking night but, but we wow. but we had to basically restrict it so, and i had to have arguments with people over the bar right you were not allowed to buy this by yourself. Imagine me giving you a bottle of Bud, that fucking size, 
of 40 you know, to 50 odd percent fucking beer and um, and then you necking that shit like it's a fucking bud or whatever. You know that kind of way? So the, yeah. res- the restriction was you, you had to be, hey, have you got them up there? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. 57.8%. 57. Whoa. I had that one too. The, the owner fucking um, popped it open and oh, spread that's... it around the bar. Um, it was tasty, really tasty, but necessary. <laughs> not fucking, not like. Oh, no, no, no. This is this is a newer one. There's another so this, one. This, this, this is called Strength in Numbers. It was launched in September 2020. Uh, wow. Over a decade ago, we entered an international ABV race against German brewery. I cannot pronounce that um, to brew the world's <laughs> strongest beer. Uh, the back and forth uh, that ensured became the stuff of beer legend. In September 2020, another chapter in this epic saga was written. This time, it's one of our con- camarades. I don't know what that word Spanish. is either. Uh, C-A-M-A-R-A-D-E-R-I-E. Camera or a beer company. There you go. As we join forces with the name that I couldn't pronounce before for the ultimate collaboration. Oh, they join forces. That's fucking cool. That is Strength in Numbers is a 57.8% beer that reaches the colossal ABV through the traditional Iserbock method, which means freezing the beer and removing chunks of ice water so that you're left with the concentrated high ABV liquid. The beer also features a blend of Brewdog's own Death or Glory, an ice-distilled Belgian golden ale that's been sitting in a whiskey whiskey casks for 10 years. Only a small number of 40 milliliter bottles will be available, which, dis, uh, sorry, were available, which disappeared into the hands of a lucky few. See, I don't talk shit all the time. I don't talk <laughs> shit. <laughs> I, I could see Marty over there fucking internalizing going, Those, they're fucking allowed to do this. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck's sake. Well, yeah, you, th- you think about it, a couple of them. I'll knock you on your fucking ass. I mean, a couple M- of them, M- well, yeah. uh, that much of that <laughs> will knock you clean on your ass. Well, yeah, but my, my point stands if what we consider to be a, a, a distribution. So if if alcohol, right, if it was as unregulated as heroin supply, so when you went and you went, oh, I'll have a pint, mate, cheers, and you were drinking it and you didn't know if it was a Budweiser or a fucking whatever the hell that was called, a strength or a strength in numbers, you can see how people end up in trouble. That's it, yeah. mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So if they then go out and have two pints of it and it's fucking just all, all over the goddamn place, the body is literally on the verge of alcohol poisoning because they've had two fucking pints of the thing, you know what I mean? Or someone that's had two buds. I mean, obviously everyone has a, a tolerance as well. Exactly. So, so that varies into it. So this is why there has to be the spectrum of products. The same needs to be true with cannabis. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that one of the biggest differences is that cannabis is lethal quantity is just so much smaller than alcohol. Why the hell are we... Uh, seeing some legislations out there trying to reduce the percentage of THC permissible where they're not even talking about alcohol. It's, yeah, skunk, it's, dollar, it's, dollar it's, bills, skunk, it's skunk psychosis. This is what this is starting to build in the American lobby. And it's because they've seen this tactic work in the UK. GW have employed this in tactic for a very long time. So while they were cultivating a strain and a variant of skunk number one, they were allowing stories and helping stories be perpetuated in papers in the UK talking about skunk psychosis. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 ridiculous. They've now exported this to America. It's slowly gaining ground in Canada as well. And, wow. and once it does, it, it will be the if it's if it's part of American federal legalization, that means it becomes part of the narrative of the world. 
Yeah. I mean, the UN sets its policy. They're going, it causes psychosis and schizophrenia. It causes this, it causes that. So we need to keep it in this remit. When actually, if you look at the medical cannabis industrial complex around the world, psychiatry is one of the ones that's pushing this forward most because they're, they're looking at it. All of a sudden, they're just going, oh, it might be a medicine. So they're suddenly changing the way they're looking at their all of their cases of people that consume cannabis or have interacted with drugs and going, ah, we've been looking the wrong fucking way. Drugs didn't do this. They had a thing and they're using the drugs to treat themselves. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Once you end the narrative of you every in this you in the country, in this country, in the UK right now, all drug use is abuse. That's what they define it as. If you, you get caught misusing drugs, it's because you're using them. That's how fucked it is. And it's not, I don't know anyone that misuses weed. The only way I think to misuse weed is to try and like the fucking thing in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know what I mean? Because even if I shoved it in my ass, I'd have a beneficial effect. Yeah, so that's proven. That's proven. Well, yeah, but this is this is the point of it though. It's so versatile that how the hell can you misuse cannabis? I know. I wonder, right? <clears throat> Three <coughs> most lovely young boys here, chaps, men, whatever the fuck you want to fucking <laughs> use, right? One of the biggest fucking killers of men is prostate cancer. Am I wrong? When, when, oh, yeah. Oh, right? you're right. So if fucking you could have super concentrated, super fico up your back up your jacksie or whatever right i wonder how what kind of direct application uh oh sorry i wonder what direct application would would yield in that regard do you know Ooh. what i mean uh what, one of the first customers i had in my in my journey in cbd industry he had pancreatic cancer and before coming to see me he was solely buying from uh, this guy that he would meet at the pub and he'd get uh, a kind of like an extract and then he'd build his own suppositories and that's how he would uh, take a CBD. He'd read that bringing it close to the prostate uh, would be, uh, sorry, to the pancreas <laughs> following from the prostate talk. Um, but yeah, then he started to do it with CBD as well. So he'd build these like um, these suppositories that were 50-50 and actually, um, so he was given something like six months and uh, that took him on for maybe two years. Awesome. And, and then he, he actually did really well. Can't remember the terminology that was being used, but his tumor was shrinking and he was getting quite excited about everything. And he actually stopped taking the treatment. And um, he stopped taking the treatment, started to take the, the medicine his, his doctor was recommending because he was starting to feel quite optimistic, I think. So he, he started to listen to what his doctor was more confidently suggesting. And unfortunately it came back and really the cancer was spreading all over. And um, I had, uh, you remember the shop that I had in Covent Garden in, in yeah, man. he came over to that and he met Cali and Cali suggested some really good water soluble THC for him, said that that would be a good option. And unfortunately uh, he, he didn't make it past April, but, um, but it was working while he was taking it. Um, you know, I would see him very regularly and he was the one saying this stuff is the only thing that's helping me at the moment. And he was taking it as a suppository, um, you know, and this mm. guy as well, just to give an idea of like the profile. Um, this is someone that is like the great grandson of the guy that created the, the boy scouts in the UK. He's very, you know, a very classic British man, um, by all accounts, one of these kinds of people that, um, I, a lot of conservative types would not assume uh, would take cannabis. I see, right. Yeah, but I, again, it speaks to 
something I've heard of time and time again. Uh, just to go back to what you spoke of before, Mark, and 9,000 people, uh, 9,000 people, 9,000 men a year die from prostate cancer in England. That's 9,000. Fucking yeah, crazy. More, more than 325,000 men are currently living with... Uh, wait, I've, I can't read the... Why have they... They've cut it up horribly on that sentence. Every hour, one man dies from prostate cancer in England. Oof. Rough. Yeah. So basically, what it is is it's it's the closer you can get feco to the site of a tumor, the better. Basically, really is, is what we're sort of seeing. Um, but yeah, I've I've heard other cases of this where people have been going well and then they've gone to I suppose we could call traditional medicine, except yeah. accepted Western medicine as it is, and then they've had shit fucking problems. And then I've had other cases. I mean, we were talking earlier about uh, a potential future. Yeah, we'll leave that. I'll not. To spoil that one yet yeah. um but there, there are people that have obviously Your then teeth. just gone on and, and used cannabis themselves to treat their own ailments and have literally gone from a you're dead to there's nothing there do you know what i mean that is a story time and time again with people and then the smarter thing is to then maintain a, a maintenance dose but the other thing that's absent from this conversation is what caused that cancer in the first place it's all well and good treatment yeah. what in your lifestyle what in your habit what in your genetics what is is perpetuating your exposure to ca uh, carcinogens, you know? Mm. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, we, we mentioned this with um, Mike Barnes, didn't we? I mean, it, it's, it's the attitude is definitely one of here's the solution that will fucking solve your surface problem. But there isn't any root fucking analysis. There never is. Do you know that kind of way? Unfortunately, that's not the fucking society that we live in. Also, um, Marty's here. Hi, Marty. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I feel like we've talked at you for a while, so maybe we should maybe we should talk. Uh, you know, uh, I have a question for you. What is what is your favorite product that you make? Oh, <laughs> my dad pens. These are definitely my daily drivers. Is there a drivers. flavor or something? Or this, this particular one is uh, straw nana. You can kind of see the straw little banana on the pen. Yeah, got we've got also the uh, forbidden fruit. This is a good one. I just ran out today though. So I'm just using straw nana. I like rosin, like solventless. I got a bit of rosin that can't really be selling in the UK, but I'm just uh, getting through it. <laughs> <First. laughs> <laughs> nice. um, yeah, I, uh, but to be honest, you know, like I like CBD and THC just during the day. I find that CBD helps me with my work and everything. And then I can stop working and then, you know, consider sparking one up <laughs> yeah but I, yeah, do vape, I do vape a lot though i gotta say like vaping is my is is my normal way to consume i love a joint like the smell of burning cannabis is very nostalgic for me and i mm. when i smell that outside especially if i'm like near a sesh i can't deny a few puffs from a joint but when yeah. i'm at home i find it quite easy to just focus on vaping and then collect all that avb and do something with it yeah man yeah, it's, it's an important thing. A lot of people uh, who don't know what AVB is, it's already vaped bud. And because of the... It's not the former Tottenham manager or Chelsea manager. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference that went right over my fucking head right there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's an incredibly versatile sort of product. You can then create it into sort of butters. A lot of people make them into edibles and it's quite often incredibly high in CBN because of the... Uh, oxidization process and it's fully carboxylate the THCA to THC which then obviously is that oxidates through CBN um, and yeah some people really quite enjoy the flavor as well of AVB it's quite a, uh, an, aqu an yeah, yeah it's an acquired taste 
but some people do genuinely um, do enjoy it. And again, it's, it's, it shows the versatility of cannabis that we can truly use every single component and part of this. If we, if we were unrestricted by legislation, there's no waste. There's, there's the, everything would then either go down to ash or to an end of biological waste product in terms of your consumptions that comes out of you via waste. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's this- such- there's so many different kind of strains that we could be growing. One of the things that bothers me quite a lot is that um, we've got quite we've got a lot of varieties of poppy, for example, that we can grow in the UK legally and it can be harvested. Um, but obviously, there are some 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 types of poppy seeds that we shouldn't be growing or not shouldn't we cannot be growing because yeah. they they can create psychoactive prop um, products. With hemp, we we were talking about genetics out there that literally have zero cannabinoids they, they could just be grown for terps and they could really be part of like uh, other industries not just the cannabis industry like those terps can go into cleaning products or into pharmaceuticals that use specific terpenes um, and the same can be said for other minor cannabinoids that don't pose any psychoactivity like cbg it's uh that strain that there are genetics of cbd that have zero percent thc and all they have is c cbg but the problem is that if we were to take grow that here in the uk we wouldn't be able to extract from the part that's most dense in cannabinoids so which is the flower yeah it's a a joke that really when you think about it is that you would don't you the only way you'd be able to do that to extract from the flowers regardless of the cannabinoid content is to have a dangerous drugs license is to have that high thc cultivation license which is crazy because you're not trying to cultivate for high cannabinoid content you were saying before about the diverse uses of terpenes as well i remember when i was in uh, toronto speaking to a, a few people out there that were in research and development for using cannabis terpenes to replace sweetness hmm. that's yeah. interesting i've never heard of that i know that you can use terps to you can synthesize uh other drugs out of terpenes like um mm-hmm. the piperine the terpene and black pepper, I believe. Yeah. Also, I, I can't. Yeah, I think it's, it's a supplement. Um, well. but you yeah. can you can create MDMA out of it <laughs> using. Uh, I can't remember what the chemical. Reaction I'm is. I'm gonna make a note. Of contact our, our good friend uh, <laughs> Kelly Seaman on this one. It's nice. It's nice knowing a chemist. Um, no, but yeah, it, but it just shows the, the the versatility of compounds and creativity. So that if they choose to continue to criminalize and create these arbitrary gateways. People are just going to continue to fucking find novel ways to to get around this. I think of that. What the hell was the guy's name? There's a famous dude. He was a chemist, and he was in Israel, and he was basically playing a game against the world. He synthesized hundreds, if not a thousand plus chemicals, and every time he put out like mephedron and all that shit, and then every time he got banned in a place, he'd go back to the lab and go, right, we'll just move the carbon here, oxygen here, boom, send it back out again. But he tested all of his drugs on himself first, so he would uh-huh. he would make it, test it. And I'd be like, not putting that one out. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so it's, it's there are people like that that are going to continue to do it because it, we we have a, a right, a sovereign right by being born and conscious and sentient to fuck with our consciousness. It's the reason kids spin around to get dizzy. You know what I mean? It's, it's the reason we eat too much sometimes. It's the reason that we amplify our, our emotions through activity is we're exploring the the confines of what it is to experience and to 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 be alive and so to deny ourselves the opportunity to shortcut to unbelievable horizons through through chemical interactions and then through social um consumption of these substances create bonds that last lifetimes i think that is 
one of the greatest tragedies of being alive in the 21st century. Do I reckon that um, pro- the real aim for prohibition is to lock down astral projection because it only works if you're fucked off your face? In- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just want to go to a quick hot take sidebar here. So what did I watch earlier? Um, something was on YouTube just when I'm working at the minute. YouTube is on in the background. It goes round and round. And there's something about silent Scientology and L. Wang Hubbard. And what you just said there, that, that could work. We could write a Scientology style thing out of this, that actually there are these powerful beings in the world and they, they deny you access to these spiritual realms of enlightenment by stopping you from taking these gateway substances. Have you, wa- have you watched Hilda? No, neither of you have watched Hilda. No. Get on that, right? It's the most. It's a, it, it's very sweet, really sort of um, sort of Adventure Time for for a female audience, right? Well, I fucking love it. Every part of the 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 um, artistic implementation, the the music, all I think all the music is done by Grimes and fucking nailed it. Uh, oh, any, cool. Anyway, the. Um, there's a creature in that that lives in the in-between spaces. So, like, an, the idea is, like, in between your table and the wall, you know, it, there's, like, a, a portal that they can transport, it, it can go through and it pop out somewhere else that's, you know, on the other side of the fucking world or whatever. Anyway, good TV show. Would we'll <laughs> that. No, no, you think about it, right? So, you, you there's some fucking magic going on in society or whatever. And the only way to actually fucking get anywhere is to get into this interdimensional space. <laughs> See, Neil likes it, man. And and it's it's by a perfectly farm. Um, it's done by a perfectly pharmaceuticalized concoction of all of these like drugs. Yeah, I didn't want to use drugs there because it felt like you know it, there's a negative connotation that went with it. But you know it, that could be. A, it's almost like um. Uh, a super sci-fi version of Limitless. Mm. You see Limitless, right? Mm. The pill one thing. That could be cool. Or another one for you. Um, <clears throat> Survivor. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but it, literally, you have the first part is, is super, super comedic. Like panicking. Oh my God, how am I going to survive on this island? And then just this, <laughs> this moment of this, all this wild cannabis all over the place. Hempcrete, bioplastic. Yeah, and literally just starts building a fucking cabin out of fucking everything. You know, people do that shit in Canada. I don't know if you watch any of the bushcraft stuff over there. People go and live in the fucking woods and oh, just yeah. build houses and live off the grid, and it's fucking amazing. There you go. That's just two two nice TV shows that I definitely want credit for. Um, <laughs> Good to have some new TV to watch, honestly. Ah, uh, um, so. I'm trying to think of what I tr- I did questions. actually have some questions. Yeah, let's um, get some questions. <laughs> I suppose you have you've you've spoke of vaping already. You are an avid vapor and have been avidly vaping throughout this recording. Um, so, what's the situation with the regulation of CBD in vaping in the UK currently? Yeah, like right now, it's actually uh, probably one of the the best uh, segments of the industry to be working in because I don't really have to worry about too much reg- regulation. There's a whole there is already regulation built by the tobacco, the nicotine industry, and when it comes to like countries that have done it well, the UK has done that. We've we're we're 
you know, we've made it so that people can enter the market pretty easily. And, um, you know, there's good oversight on everything. But um, I think that they'll eventually change that. It seems a bit strange that cannabis vape products haven't been so regulated yet. Mm. Uh, almost as if uh, maybe they're looking to lock down like the edibles and all that, the consumption part of cannabis first, and then they may approach vape afterwards. I haven't, it's, it's quite, it's a quiet thing in the industry. Like mm. people don't talk about it too much. So is, is vape, is tobacco, as in combustible tobacco, raw tobacco products and vapable nicotine based alternative products, are they regulated in the same legislation? Very similar. We don't, we don't actually, the fact that CBD is, is not a controlled drug means that we can sell it without having to uh, obtain a license. So to anyone that sells a tobacco, a nicotine product, they have to, they have to have it licensed. Even if you have like a herbal plot product that is intended for smoking, you need a license for that. There is no license needed to create like a CBD vape product. So that's the, that is the, mm. the, the main difference between those two. Um, I have optimism though, because they did the, they, they regulated nicotine product vapes quite well. So I hope they do something similar for CBD, hopefully though. Well, yeah, I mean, it, if they do, I mean, there has to be conversations within each of these governmental institutions where they're going, we can't just set the, the rules for today. What's going to happen tomorrow? So they're going to have to be considering the THC vape, the CBN vape, the CBD vape, CBG vape are eventually going to have to end up under the same regulation. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's probably more of not so much an oversight, but it's um, the fact that it doesn't fit under their definition of consumable. Do, do you know what I mean? And I think oh, that yeah. because of that, like you say, they're going to take the opportunity to say they're, they're the grand, they're the mysterious wizards that rule our land. You know what I mean? The, the, the powers that be um, that have already got this foot in the door, that have already kind of corrupted a lot of the chambers of power in this country by offering people ungodly sums and giving them uh, advisory positions, etc. cetera, um, has meant that they are setting the regulation to, to benefit and control them. So I... I can see that being deliberately left out because yeah. it's it, look at what happened with France with the case with, in in Europe as well with the, the cannabis. The, yeah, so I think I, the, yeah, I wonder, like with the, with the vape thing, it's different with uh, cannabis vapes yeah. and, and nicotine vapes because a cannabis vape could be it could be a distillate which is not involving any actual oils to mix it with. It's just a pure cannabis extract. You can have um, it's like solventless based vape products, which aren't really distillate, but they're, they're again, not using a cutting agent. And I see that these kind of like, uh, those kind of vape products causing a bit of a, it's, it's going to be like a new, new thing for regulators in the UK. Cause they're not used to that. They're used to, um, you know, PG, VG nicotine salts, but cannabis yeah. is just like so different. You can do that, but that's not really where it gets interesting. It starts to get interesting when you move away from like the PG, VG side of things. Yeah. Yeah. But there are much healthier alternatives and much, I suppose, more sociable. Are the, it, it, it's always felt weird whenever I've seen people that use a VG, PG mix with a cannabis oil. Often it's people that I know that make their own at home. Um, but it's, it's weird to see thick clouds, to have, to have a thick cloud from, from a cannabis vape like that. I, I can't get used to the, the aesthetic of that, the optics of it. You know what I mean? 
It's probably um, just people that have an attachment to smoking. Like, uh, I, I, I feel like I'm perhaps addicted to the habit of, of inhaling and exhaling and just getting a nice big cloud can be quite satisfying sometimes, even though it's like, mm-hmm. so, so that's not really part of cannabis. Like you don't smoke weed to get the big clouds. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're usually <laughs> hiding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what else did I want to ask you about? So I suppose we have, we've discussed uh, briefly the FSA, um, but I suppose we don't really touch The funny on... thing is we, we spoke about so much stuff on the first one. I, I can tell you just don't want to do a complete repetition of the first podcast. Well, no, I mean, there's no point either. Do you know what I mean? I think it would be a disservice to all of us and, you know, and even as, as it would have been to put out half an episode. Do you know what I mean? It would have been, it would have been very unfair to you as well. So yeah, even, I mean, we did we did name out a few people, and it was yeah, quite a controversial episode. Was so definitely yeah. So, so I should that's... I shit the bed and just said no, I'm gonna put it in the bin now. Just, <laughs> um, no, they get saved by fortune. You know, I mean, there's there's, there's something to that. Maybe the there's a reason that we had that glitch and lost the mics. <laughs> um, but whatever that that's that's for us to muse on. We know that information, and maybe someday we'll be able to make it as public as we want it to be. Um, but the question I wanted to sort of allude to next was CBD is a novel food. Do you believe it? Do you think it's it's true? Do you think it meets the criteria as a novel food? <laughs> no way. What, what the definition for novel food was meant to be like uh, foods that are uh, new past a certain date. I think it was 1995. 95. I'm 1995. That's how old I am. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. <laughs> the CBD is uh, is. Uh, well the discovery or the use of it in mainstream culture is that old because it you know and then i I remember there were trade bodies trying to fight against that and prove that cbd specifically had been used for some time and they found they found like rich uh, cannabis cannabis rich in cbd in one of the uh egyptian pharaoh's tombs and I mean, like, I'm not saying that that is our evidence, but it's just insane that we can go that far back. Uh, we can go into a Pharaoh's tomb and pull out something yeah. that the government are trying to say just has only become mainstream since 95. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's even older than that. We've seen remnants recently of, is it Chinese, um, um, old ancient Chinese um, cultures using it uh, up to 10, 15,000? Um, even, even, even older. So I think we have Mas- ancient Mesopotamia. Now, have um, we actually found that? I think we what we've what, there was physical evidence found. I think like actual. Oh, I was in was talking, no, so there wasn't actually like a preserved flower or anything no, like that. No, but it was in the ashes, wasn't it? No, there's yeah, there was stuff found on the the stones and the equipment that they oh, sort of used to, yeah. to burn it. Yeah, so they found like residues. Um, but yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah, so, so look at what we know from uh, a study from last year, the year before, that traced back the lineage of, of cannabis through the cannabis family and back further to about, I think it's 28.4 million years ago. This plant has been on its shape for a long time and it's been evolving and been adapting. And then we got a hold of it at some point when we decided to go, let's go over there. And we took this thing with us. And wherever we put it, it adapted and it changed and it evolved. And it wasn't that we just agri- agriculturalized it and we, cultivated and grew it and cycled it we allowed it to to explore its own environment to to explore its own potential and this is why we ended up with such variants of these plants in various regions each of which has such unique and wonderful properties it has something without getting too hippie-ish or spiritual because i am neither but i feel that there is something to the intelligence of cannabis do you know i mean it has something to give us the fact that we can get energy food clothing 
you know, we can sequester carbon from it. We can build homes from it. We can get high off it. It, it gives us so goddamn much and it, it asks so little for us because it, it, if we just stop destroying it, it covers every, it just goes, it just goes, it, it self pollinates. It's, it runs through its own cycles. It, it, it's a wonderful thing. It's truly a wonderful thing. We need to just, for all, yes, I agree with the industrialization of cannabis. We almost need just places where we're just going to fucking just throw it. Just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, yeah. Of, thought of a little fucking mini uh, computer game actually where it, that, that was the crime. You were being chased. You're one of those infinite runners that's on mobile. It's just constantly running. <laughs> so you're, you're being chased, right? And all you're doing is like fucking seeds into people's parts as they're going past. I'm fucking going to make that game. Definitely. <laughs> Do it. But to- like- talking about all these like different genetics, have you fo- do you guys follow that guy on Instagram that goes to Afghanistan and visits like uh, tribes and sort of more isolated communities and you'll do deals with uh with cannabis growers out there to buy their genetics and you know he'll bring a bag of seeds back to to like the west and have he'll have people that are already buying these things before he flies out wow. it's got a, yeah. called indian land race exchange he's got sixty three thousand followers it's huge oh crap <laughs> and when you go on it you see like he is showing you he shows you all the the like the communities out there the women that get involved in the in the cultivation and the seed extraction and everything. It's so cool. That kind of thing shows that there are so like I'm looking at a lot of the genetics on there and they 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 look so different to what uh we grow in the mainstream. You know, like there are like just solid jet black strains out in Afghanistan. Um yeah. so, solid jet black ones. Yeah, it's it's the it's the regions because obviously the, the plants respond to the different temperatures and the different light spectrums. And because of the regions of Pakistan, Afghanistan, basically anything around the Hindu, uh, not Hindu, uh, Himalayan mountain range, mm. because of the various topography, the variance in the plants, and also because of the isolation of them, yeah. they interbreed with themselves. So they go through processes of not of stabilization, but of exploration of their own uh, different characteristics. So because if some get blown down to one way and they end up cultivating in a different way further down in the valley, you end up with pollination sweeping around and everything will pollinate to a couple of miles within each other. You know what I mean? How it's polyamorous it's... of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being serious. Kind of, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> that just adds so much more fucking character to it. It su- supersedes fucking traditional stereo... Um, but not sexuality, I guess, right? Well, it, it does, though, because, I mean, we stress cannabis and we try to create and keep just feminized plants and just keep female plants. But then this is why you have hermaphrodization. You have stress. You can light trigger a process of your, like, your genetic stressing and then hermaphrodizing. Because, this again, it's something I think I feel, again, quite spiritualist, hippie hop, hop take here. Um, is that there's something in the intelligence of it? You, you grow a field of feminized and there will males will come out. You then get sections of the plant, so suddenly then go, oh, this productivity on the lower branches is useless. Let's make pollen, and then we can produce the next cycle and hopefully get larger and have more light and therefore take more space. Do you know what I mean? Again, it's, it's an, I can't describe anything other to it than an, an intelligence. It has yeah. an innate desire to be here. It's a weed, and it adapts to any fucking thing. Mm. So uh, the, going on that, what I was reading the other day was that they discovered some strains out in Afghanistan that could go uh, longer than your typical 
cannabis strain without water. Like some of these were going uh, quite a long time without water and then they'd pick them up and show the plant is still like, you know, very much healthy. Yeah. And I was just thinking like that's, everyone's always focusing on like THC and the terpenes, but actually creating like a very resilient strain that isn't so, uh, you know, we are cannabis mm. already doesn't demand that much water in the grand scheme of things, but to be able to cut that down, yeah. um, that's insane and these strains are out there just uh, a lot of things are still undiscovered need people like this guy <laughs> going around sort of trading them with the west and that's class doing deals with afghanistan it's cool yeah i think very much we we're on page one or two in the encyclopedia of cannabis what it has to teach us is near infinite in my opinion truly because it's not even just what we can derive from it technologically and, and do it's not just the opportunity that gives us to advance society and culture it's not just the opportunity it gives us to move from a scarcity-based paradigm towards a resource-based paradigm um it's, it's not just it, all it, of those things it's a, no it isn't it, it's it, it's <laughs> that's it's, a fucking lot i know that's a lot of things but it's it's it's, it's, st it's still not though because it's what it gives to people. Look at what happens. Colorado legalizes. Then somewhere like Pueblo County suddenly goes, no one should pay for higher education. We should end homelessness. You know what I mean? We should pave the streets with gold effectively. Yeah. Because they have such an excess amount of tax that they can't deal with. Like, what the fuck do we do? And Colorado Silver was at 2.2 billion last year in, in, ta in taxable cannabis. Wow. And it's just gone up every year and every year. And it's going to keep goddamn going up because innovation will continue. People will continue to then go, oh, it must be all right now. All the naysayers are suddenly like, go on then, go on then. And spotting up a cheeky joint and realizing, oh my God, I was lied to my entire life. Do you, know what the, do you know what the most common reaction is going to be when that happens? Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it'll be the realization that all that, that all of that building up of this pure demonization and stigma that goes along with it will just go... I thought it was way fucking... I went pure Irish there, I don't know why. Um, no, I thought it was fucking mind-bending. It's like, is that all it yeah. is? Yeah, mm. that's all it is. And it's fucking awesome. Well, that's why I think CBD is <laughs> so useful, because ironically, CBD is a gateway drug. It's a gateway drug to legalizing cannabis, which legalizing or rather descheduling cannabis... Phrasing, though, do you know what I mean? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Get rid of that shit. <laughs> no, but I meant it deliberately as a play on words. I know, I know. It's, it's a joke, in it? Because then people will then accept CBD and suddenly go, this is cannabis, and then what's the other stuff? And even if they don't have a curiosity to it, they suddenly go, if cannabis can benefit me... Cannabis can benefit others. There are other parts of it that I don't choose, but they should be engaging in. It's yeah. the same as going, oh, let's have food. I don't choose to engage with meat because I'm a vegan, for example. I'm not going to go around and say, let's eradicate people's people's choice for that in that, that setting. If then they want to make that decision, as a society and as a culture, we have to provide that product to the safest standard imaginable while providing, hopefully, non-biased education so people can make an informed decision. And I think that, like I said, the ubiquitous nature of CBD, the acceptability of it. I was in a local corner shop up the road just near where um, um, my missus has just moved in. And they had CBD gummies on the shelf behind the back. So they had like all the posh, like expensive alcohols. Then they had some Rizzler and some uh, raw black and like the organic packs and stuff. And then some CBD gummies in that. And it struck up a conversation. Guy turns up, turns he knows me because of the events anyway. But just seeing <laughs> products in like just an average shop like that was just... That, that gets it there because then the grannies that have been shopping it there for, for generations infinitum suddenly you're like, what's that? And so it's cannabis. Mm. So, oh, what do, you, what do you mean it's cannabis? You know, clutching at the bag sort of style. 
And you have that, and each time she comes in, you get a little bit more curiosity until eventually she goes, when boom, she tries it. So then when her 17 year old grandson gets in trouble from his, his mom for, for smoking weed and gets kicked out of the house, she goes, come around, it's fine. Do you know what I mean? Has changed mm. that attitude. It's has gone from being this demon thing to she's had gummies and actually gone, ooh, my arthritis, you know? Yeah. I slept, I slept really well last night, you know? Mm. Yeah. Once and it drips and it drabs and the power of once you give somebody that positive feedback, you give them that, that feeling of autonomy and empowerment, it starts to erode that lifelong um, perpetuation of propaganda that has come from media, that has come from government, that has come from institutions. Yep. You know what I mean? The people who have gone, even if I would like to try cannabis, it's illegal and it's bad and I don't want to get caught and go to prison and and have my life ruined. Mm -hmm. Whereas once that sort of tears it away, yeah, like I said, it's it's poor phrasing, I agree, then of calling it a gateway, but it is... I just ruined your joke. It's the first. It's the first way through. Do you know what I mean? Just absolutely smashed the shit out of your joke. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Won't, won't be the last time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right though. You're right though. I mean, <clears throat> it obviously becomes. We just have to watch out for the separation. Like going, oh, that's CBD. That's okay you know what i mean yeah. you just need to get rid that's of that's already that's already kind of happening yeah I, that, I actually have a problem with people that sell you know the people in the industry that sell cbd or have invested in cbd they're financially benefiting from it and they'll go out of their way to uh you know demerit thc mm-hmm. i think that that's ridiculous well one of the things that i used to do when i'd workshop floor is if i if i recognized that someone what they needed was thc and they were in our cbd shop willing to spend money i would just tell them like i know that i'm we're not legally allowed to give medical advice but i would just tell them you're probably not going to find what you need over here <laughs> you know and i'd say what you probably want is illegal yeah. And you're probably, you know, we're in Portobello, so there's plenty of places to find That's what you it, need. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's illegal. Go down the street. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, nah, but you know, like uh, there, there are so many, and the, and there are ways to say it. Actually, like I, I would say I'm one of the. I have like a well-spoken voice, so sometimes when these like older ladies would come in, they would actually take a bit of time to 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 listen. Uh, uh, they didn't do what I was saying, but at least they were like listening to uh, to me saying like, you know, unfortunately it's illegal, but it's not illegal in certain, some other countries. And I've met people just like you who live in Canada and they, they take, you know, they take the oils or something, you know. Mm. Clever. Yeah. Silver tongue, this lad. Well, yeah, with that, that's some of the, I suppose, maybe quite a lot of people are still not aware of that if you are a proprietor of a CBD business, if you sell and benefit from the sale of CBD, you cannot make medical claims because making medical claims would mean you would have to license your product yeah. as a medicine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's ridiculous. Look, fucking hell, there's there's places in, in Amsterdam and obviously where it's still illegal and you walk in and they get shitty with you because you can't take the fucking menu off the table because it's promoting and they're not allowed to promote it. You have mm-hmm. to make all the decisions yourself. I'm literally like sat fucking there in the cafe, and your man's having a fucking Barney. Like, you know, that kind of it wasn't Barney's, just in case anybody <laughs> from Barney's. <laughs> yeah, but, it's but you a see similar situation. Yeah, similar in Canada. Like, if you go to the dispensary and you ask them, like, you know, what's your most energizing strain? 
they're not actually going to answer that question. And then you might ask them then, so what's your favorite strain? And they won't be able to answer that. So when I asked this one guy, what's your favorite strain? It was my first time doing the whole thing. Uh, but his way of getting around it was just telling me what his wife's favorite strain was. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, I just recognized, like I was already in the industry. I knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of the, um, the bud dispensers in America do sort of similar tactics, or they'll then speak of, well, our most popular seller is. Mm. Or you know what I mean? So it's 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 all about sort of the um, the art, I suppose, of leading the the customer and skirt skirting that legislation. But again, it could be so much better. That it's I I foresee a perfect utopia future because obviously I'm an idealist. That's why I fight the way I fight, and I've committed to do this the way I have. Is that your bud tenders then would become your experts? Yeah, and a lot of them already are because they're passionate people, which is why they stick within that position. But to be able to give them then the medical knowledge to give them that without having to go down them become, you can have the training for cannabis that has its therapeutic properties without having to go into academia of them being medical. Do you know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. there needs to be that middle line in the same way we have herbologists, one of the oldest um, medical institutions in the UK they need to look in at this. There are other, um, in just holistics as well, that, that can describe and talk of the benefits of, of certain things without then them being prescribed or defined as medicines. And I think the same thing needs to exist within cannabis, even if we find a way to skirt around it in what Mac has always talked about, an open source idea where all of the information is correlated together. And from that, you could just go onto a, an open source server and go, I suffer with blah, blah, blah. I am this old, my BMI is this. And it goes... Mm -hmm. According to our metadata, we have found 2,000 people that have a similar condition of a similar age, similar da, da, da. They benefit from a ratio of two to one CBD to THC, mostly these terpenes, da, 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 da. Yeah, disclaimer, so, this is contextual and individual. So Yeah, 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 so exactly. So it, that can then just be, it's considered lived experience and you're not directly giving advice. All you're doing is showing the information that is out there. The, it's the same with the menu in, in Amsterdam, as you were saying that person then still has to make that choice. Mm -hmm. So there are means and ways we could skirt around it currently. It's just, there isn't a lot of will to do so because anybody that's doing that research, they're set to profit greatly from either patenting, going down the route of then creating and patenting synthetics or then patenting the extraction process and the distribution of novel um, drugs. Yeah, I'm wondering if, because uh, it is difficult to get something like that uh, compilation of people's experiences to create some kind of like guide on what to take when you've got a certain condition. I I, I can't see like a crowd, uh, one of those community efforts working so well because you do need an incentive. And it's yeah. like, you know, what is going to be the incentive? The, just the... I don't know the goodwill or something, but well, no, the, the, re the reinforcement of your community really is the incentive. And what I mean to say is, like, I've I've spoken about this quite a few times. Like, <clears throat> just taking the street that I live on, you know, if I knew that some people could benefit from X, Y, and Z, but I didn't benefit from that, and at that time I was a I was you know in in the vicinity to give either advice or grow or whatever it is at that point then having an open source database would allow me to sort of explore that to 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 increase the the the, the solid foundation that is my community that is my that is my reality do you know what i mean that is like that's that's actually in my immediate vicinity 
I think there is there is definitely a, a non-capitalistic um, uh, or at, at least cash-based um, incentive, at least, you know what I mean? To, we, to already, like that. we already have a large socialist model, I suppose, in the NHS. That's okay. one of the, the largest socialist endeavors in the world, if you really think about it. Yeah. So, that, so again, I, I pitched this. I spoke on a very weird thing recently. I had to download a, an app. And it was a kind of a festival appearance. It was five of us as speakers, and we had to record individual videos and upload them. And in in that, I um, it, it, oh, I think I've just lost train of thought. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, I hate this. This hasn't happened in quite a while. It only happens to me. <laughs> pull me back. Usually. Pull me back. Pull me back. Where am I going? I don't know. Ah, you twat! It was gonna be a good one. It was gonna be a good one. What was I talking about just there? Oh, yeah, being able to actually reinforce and have a more solid base around my community. Oh, what I was talking about, sorry, um, one of these videos was um, if the NHS was to become a, a cannabis company yes. or had a subsidiary as a cannabis company, they cultivated all their own to GMP quality. They were pharmaceutical grade, and they were able to provide that via prescription. So it would be eight pound a prescription or whatever the prescription charges currently is, rather than through private clinics. The could then grow excessive amounts of that, then produce and create the, the same manufactured product, but released to an adult consumption market, providing the best quality product. If it's hmm. why, why is it that we should settle for a less of a product for someone that doesn't then use it medically? Do, do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. so I think that's the best way to do that. You could do you could really goddamn do in this country. Obviously, allow for cottage industry, big bespoke, and still people to import and create whatever else, but you regulate that through various means. But I still think the main bulk and especially medical cannabis should come from the NHS. It should come in partnerships with, so if all these companies that want to produce these things, they have to partner with the NHS to distribute it. They're not allowed to create clinics. They should have to fund the NHS. They should have to, especially after this fucking pandemic, after all of these these poor individuals that have been put on the front lines, fucking masked, masked up, gloved up, covered in blood, sick and puke, fucking dealing with the, the apparently the worst fucking thing that's happened to us in, in a century. You know, you look at what's it's the consequences caused to our economy and everything else. It's such a gross impact. And they're talking about giving them a fucking effectively a three pound a month pay increase or whatever the hell it amounts to. Whereas if we were to then use all of these billions that are going to be generating cannabis to firstly go to the NHS. Yeah, 100%. I, th- I think to me, that's not too of an extreme of an idea. That's mm. not extreme at all. It makes just fucking sense. It just makes sense. You know what I mean? If that was, a, if this was a sim game, Sims fucking city or something, you would fail if you didn't do it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, if you just look at it logically, so zoom out for a second, you've just found this the new medical properties of this this compound. Why are you not using the largest and oldest health institution in the country to distribute it? Yep. Because you want to privatize it and sell it to America. <laughs> That's well, why. Yeah, because why, yeah, why are we then working with specialization? They're talking about bureaucracy, and it's all because of oh, well, the this uh, medical institution and this board of people that disagree with the findings, or there's not enough efficacy, or not enough evidence, or blah blah blah. To me, that feels like misdirection. It entirely does, because the bottom line there is to perpetuate the privatization of it. Yeah. Because it's literally all of that money from the four thousand odd people that have got prescriptions in this country, that should be funding a pay rise for all of these NHS workers. And that doesn't, again, seem too fucking stupid of an idea. If it's a medical thing, it should be sold by the medical people. That's why we have the medical people. Mm. Do you think it's it's <laughs> 100% then like a political thing and with a different party in power, <clears throat> with the right party, we would we would be able to get there quickly? I, I, I 
100% believe that a Corbyn-led Labour Party, with all its faults, would have looked at this. Whereas the Conservatives with small government, just general conservative neoliberalistic ideology have gone, we can make fucking money from this. That that's as simple as that. They they are not looking at this as human as a humanitarian issue. They are not looking at it as an environmental issue. They're not looking at it as a way to address wealth inequality, to tackle homelessness, to to sequester carbon. You know, what I mean, to liberate the thousands, tens of if not hundreds of thousands of people in prison, to stop the targeting of people growing a plant to deal with whatever ailment. They've just gone, oh, if we call it this and change this piece of paper, ka-ching. Mm-hmm. Then they've got their mates in government going, oh. You know, you've got a cannabis company and your wife's this and your husband's this. And if you you create this investment company, buy out these two failing firms and you own it while sitting and being able to fall asleep in the chambers of power. These fuck, they've, they've combined it. And it's again, it's not in the interest. What has conservative ideology been since Thatcher? Eradicate the NHS. Why should people be getting free shit? Why should yeah. anybody get free shit? That is like the antithesis of conservative ideology. No free shit for no one. No free shit for Again, no one. Like that's, that, that's a big... <laughs> on a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> that goes right back to sort of like just conservative media, though, which perpetuates this fear and this belief that any welfare that the, you know, the society can get their hands on will be abused and you'll have free riders. And it's not true. I mean, there will always be those free riders, but it's they, there is this yeah, there's this illusion that it's the majority, and it just 100 percent is yeah. not. It's... Well, no, even if you look at it that way, that through that lens, it's yeah, it's still only a tiny minority of individual people. Whereas actually, in this country and in America, we have socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor. We pay more tax. We, we are more legislated. We are more controlled, highly regulated. You know, I mean, uh, the average person that works 40 hours a week pays more in tax than somebody that will work 50, 60 hours a week in one of these corporate entities because of the way they've put it through various shell companies so that actually they don't earn money in the UK. Yeah, You know, so it's there's so many of these different things that mean that the the bottom are getting shafted. And I feel that the weaponization and the commodification of cannabis under the guise of medical cannabis is just the latest tool of gentrification. It's just the latest uh, in a long line of classist apparatus as a way to restrain any social mobility, any attempt at social equity. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that whole, like, uh, if you owe the bank like 500 pounds, it's your problem. But if you owe them 5 million pounds, it's their problem. And like, yeah. the, you know, the same thing for people, we don't hold enough power to, to, to matter enough, I guess. <clears throat> And the people that do hold enough power, they've got an agenda. It seems that's what it seems like from the industry. And you know, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And it's all invisible is the worst part because numerically, there's a lot more of us than there are them. Yeah. Well, even, you know, the, you know what Cannabis Europa is? It's that cannabis event that happens for the industry. It's really investment sort of types and CEOs from big companies will give talks. And I remember the air around GW was not that good over there, even there, even within the investment community, because all these guys have got their investments in up and coming cannabis companies. And the biggest threat is GW. <laughs> Everybody's worried about what GW is up to. What are they patenting? Yeah. Who have they made exclusive agreements with? You know, It's also fucking well, boring, isn't it? Like, do you know what kind of way? It's like, oh my but the, God, but, just smoke yeah. a fucking spliff and chill the fuck out. It's like the slowest car crash in history. 
So we know this is all crumbling. We know they're building to a giant crescendo where they will cash out and take their trillions. The industry will crumble and we'll then go, can we play now? And we'll be able to cobble it together and make what we wanted 5, 10, 15 years down the line. Mm. And yeah, it's interesting. GW hemorrhaged some staff that have patents for certain novel um, synthetic cannabinoids (laughs) that then are onto the open market they basically become like free agents in sport you know what i mean and some of them have been sort of picked up there's also some very dirty tactics going down so if you look at what canopy growth did when it acquired um i want to say full spectrum solutions but it's not it's something solutions it was a german company and basically the reason they bought this company was to get access to a patent for co2 extraction as soon as the acquisition of the company went through and they got this piece of paper they went to a court in America to get it um, made as an international patent. They then, on the same day the patent came as approved from that judge, they went to a court in Texas and filed a lawsuit against GW for copyright infringement for the wording that GW put on their Epidiolex website for how they extract using CO2. Canopy alleges, alleges, I have to say alleges with big quotation marks here, comma marks, because it's a big open legal battle right now. the, their CO2 extraction process for creating Epidiolex infringes on this patent that they've acquired via this other company. So okay. this this lawsuit is potentially fucking huge because the common process of CO2 closed loop extraction, which is used by um, the vast majority of the industry. Everyone, yeah. Yeah. If they win, if unless GW win this case outright, Canopy could then sue smaller players that will have less of a legal defense, like as in terms of legal team and ability and deep pockets. Um, and then could win a precedent. If they win a precedent in court, they could effectively then turn around and say, ah, we're going to license this technology. They then become gatekeepers. Canopy suddenly then become gods. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Canopy are also very quietly trying to get into Mexico as well at the minute, yeah. along with a few others. They're all very... We'll, we'll, just say... have to, we'll just have to switch extraction methods. <laughs> That's just another wall to, to climb over. But while that's happening, there's other companies doing that now that are patenting those processes. So this yeah, is what, what I mean. It's the the game at the minute is okay. You can, uh, when it goes and everyone can suddenly play with it. Who is the one that gets to stamp each process? Eventually, you know what I mean? we're going to end up with fields of cannabis that nobody's allowed to do anything with. And we just have to stare at it. Well, that's that's the thing of it. If, if 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 they don't, the only way we can get a future where it grows everywhere is if the value of what's growing out there in random fields isn't. We're just going to pull up and fucking get it. I do not want to see cannabis behind fucking 15 foot fences with barbed wire and guards and dogs and shit. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't need that's to. That's our current situation in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> but that's under the current, under the current climate. But what I mean is in my idealized, you know, yeah. perfect utopia, that's never going to fucking happen, but I'm happy to continue fighting for anyway. Um, <laughs> is that people would have such good access and such good community links and whatever else that what was grown on the industrial side people wouldn't nick to smoke exactly do, do you know what i mean we would exactly. we would so remove the industrial aspect of cannabis from the drug component of it from the medical component from the industrial development and, and sort of mm. like canacrete and, and, and graphene etc that they will have different price values we will have different markets and there'll be closed loops so that this still happens in fucking america i mean one of the hemp farms i went to stay in with in uh, delta in colorado the night i stayed with them uh, so the night before I stayed with them, they had two guys turn up, throw a carpet over the, the fucking um, 
barbed wire on the fence of their compound to go and steal the mams that they had outside as part of their transition. And they stole like two mams and chucked them in a pickup. The twats obviously stole them thinking they were THC because they were good, hearty, fucking genetic, uh, well-bred plants. You know what I mean? But it's it's, com- it's common practice. It happens all the time. It was weird. One of the places I went in, I want to say Pendleton, I think it is, in Oregon. And I remember I was driving there because I was trying to get to a shop before it closes because all on that side of the county shut at 7 fucking p.m. for some goddamn reason. So I'm rushing to get to this shop. And as I'm driving there, literally, the car park as you pull in, it was, it was cool as fuck because it was like soccer moms and all people of five or six people I would not have thought was weed smokers all pulled up doing the same thing like shit, I need to get last orders. But literally across the road was then just like panelled fencing, really quite small, and then just fields of fucking hemp. Wow. And again, it they, they worked in harmony because again, the people knew. So no one was targeting this place. Yeah, yeah. They were just like, why? I can go get Oregon's pricing of fucking weed. Best in America that I'd seen so far. Oh yeah, what's what market. was it for a gram of good flour out there? The minimum they said they had to sell a, a gram. They were legally prohibited from selling under a gram. <laughs> so I mean, huh? how much was it? We see. Uh, I think some of them were like a do- uh, worked out at like a dollar twenty, sort of that, and all the way up. And you'd, you'd pay. So high. I mean, I paid. I think. Oh, I can't remember what it is. It's like 50. I think the cheapest I got was $50 I paid for. Um, no, it was 40 something dollars I paid for an ounce. So it's maybe more than a dollar a gram, but that was the minimum they said was the, the it's law. Like was, 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 yeah, it was for Blue, um, Blue Dream. Blue Dream, it was. Yeah, it was outdoor grown Blue Dream. And oh, it's it was, outdoor. Yeah, but no, but it was still fucking fantastic. And their indoor prices as well was still, I think, 70, something like that was for an indoor quality ounce. Uh, some of the places that I was going because I deliberately went to the smallest shops possible because what I was trying to do in each yeah, state yeah, that I was yeah. visiting was actually understand. I didn't want to talk to the big corporate fuckers. I wanted to go to, how are you finding it? Can you can you actually like give me some more information? Because the whole reason I went there was yeah, to have a bit of fun, but it was to fact find, which mm. to actually understand what's happening and to go, do I want to support that version of legalization? Turns out I don't because it's not what it's represented as. That's the, the problem we have everywhere that's currently legalized cannabis. The fuck is on your camera? Oh, it's gone. Did you see that, Marty? Was the green it? thing. Yeah, it was like in the middle of his screen. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it's this uh, the camelink thing. It gets a bit. It's coppers, man. Yeah, I must have said something a bit funny there. Said, yeah. um, what, what do you think of Spain? Is it similar to the situation out in uh, in Oregon? We know Spain's more self self regulated because they have precedent via. Um, in Spanish law, you have more of a right to privacy. What is done in private, you're more protected with by the, from the state. And then there was a court case which basically said that one person could effectively grow two plants. The associations got together and went, all right, 20 of us, it's 40 plants. You know what I mean? So then it was a way to kind of create a mechanism to create supply for, for the clubs, but they still operate in discretion. I mean, last time I was out in Spain, um, Spanish got cancelled last year, so I didn't go with the one before. I got detained and searched by cops outside of what was Remedy Club the last time I went, but they got raided and shut down. Oh, so then oh. what the cops were doing, they was waiting outside the clubs and then targeting you. So inside the clubs, so the costing of some of them, especially the local clubs, yeah, it's comparable, definitely comparable. Um, but then the more touristy you get, obviously the more the, the, the prices jack up. Yeah, there's some very expensive clubs out there and they make a lot of money, some of them. They're making like tens of thousands a day potentially. I'd probably yeah. drink Spanabis, definitely. Um, God, yeah, during Spanabis, the, the amount of money that's that's generated. But I think Spain, 
more than likely works on a lot of bribes. I imagine a lot of the club heads will have to be paying local police forces and whatever else because they they could enforce the law. They really they could enforce it enough to to cause a problem. And you see that outside of places like uh, the plug, it got for really bad for a while. So then the plug staff were advising people to basically crotch their cannabis if they were going to take it out. What, what do you mean by that? Oh, put, put, it, put, it, put it put it in their pants. Oh, because, like literally crotch because, it. Yeah, because in, in Spanish law, they can't search Proper your pants. Proper dank. So, oh my yeah, God. so they, they, they couldn't they couldn't look in, 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 your, in your, your underwear. Really? So, yeah. So the co- cops that searched me went through every fucking thing and they were sure, obviously, that I had weed. I turned up, I had got about 10 Durham City Cannabis Club t-shirts. I had grinders, slaps, all just paraphernalia of shit to just be like to give out to some of the clubs. I was going um, to, to, to meet somebody down there. And it was just, yeah, it was the weirdest thing. They saw all the money in my wallet and everything. And looking through it, it's like marijuana, marijuana. I'm like, no marijuana. Because they literally stopped us and they're like, espanol. And I'm like, no espanol. And then like, I'm like, English. And they're like, no English. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and it was the first place I was going to go to pick up weed. So I didn't have anything. So I was quietly quite confident in the situation. But I was aware that I had money. They kept looking at my wallet and looking at me. And do you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I can see that, that that scales up to a much larger thing. And because I didn't have anything, I had a point. And at the end, he literally just threw my passport and phone on the uh, fucking wallet on the floor and they walked away. Hmm. Went and got back in the shadows to wait for their next unsuspecting victim. So I don't even know if that's that's probably two just coppers like got a way to make some money here, our kid. You know? Oh, absolutely. I my experience of Spain was it's a lot more corrupt than I had assumed before doing any work there. In fact, working in Italy. When, you know, I'm not trying to uh, paint out any stereotypes necessarily, but my thoughts were Italy would be quite corrupt given mm. all of this talk of mafia. Um, but Spain was, uh, Spain is worse <laughs> for mm. my opinion, my opinion. Yeah, we, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of stuff going down. I mean, if you saw the Humboldt Dynafem raids and whatever yeah, else with that. Crazy. And, uh, I've still been trying to, there's just no information there. There's a few people have posted articles about it. Really, so but... I, I can share a little bit about just Dynafem because I, I, uh, our old, one of our facilities in Italy was right, like in the same building as the Dynafem uh, mm-hmm. facility in Italy. And those guys have had very little communication with the Dynafem team who were raided in Spain. I think those guys, the founders are all arrested. I think that's the problem. So they have these operations going on in different countries and they just haven't really heard what's going on. They're going into work, but they haven't got uh, communication with top level guys. It's actually kind of strange. Wow. Yeah. So I know there was obviously um, seeds with a value of 20 million euros were seized an ungodly amount of cash, et cetera. And from the, it was a French article that was sent to me by uh, a, a friend, and in it was basically an insinuation that it was because they weren't paying their dues in the area. Do you know what I mean? That they weren't paying their way to play. Uh, so I mean, sorry, to anybody that may have heard that wrong, that was Jews with a D. I've got a northern. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a northern <laughs> accent. Sorry, no. I just want to clarify that because I actually did. I, I hear. I heard Jews with a D. <laughs> Don't you worry. D- well, you listen. You listen to me talk D- too much all the goddamn time. But I just want to clarify. But my point is that, yeah, they weren't paying the the the, the local workers enough that they weren't really um, contributing enough to sort of the local economy. This was like say the insinuation that was made from the one article I read. I've struggled to get any real clarification or information about this, and this was September 2020. Huh. I mean, uh, those guys seem smart. I I can't imagine. It was a, a lack of license or 
uh, to do with their actual operations. Yeah, mm. it seems reasonable that it could have been, uh, especially in Spain. This is, it was in Spain, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. This, yeah, the the raid and the arrests in Spain, and I was just talking about their little operation in Italy, which is mm. nothing compared to what they do out there. That's crazy. Yeah, can't but imagine. Yeah, I think this is why a lot of people are looking with great intrigue to places like Afghanistan and, and other regions where there is such incredible land races and there is such a, a, a connective history back to people that know traditional techniques, that know things about the plants that very few people do. Do you know what I mean? Mm. They're like family secrets of how to get the best out of it, of how to grow in certain ways. And they've got within their uh, banks, as it were, genetics for genes that have just not been seen yet you know and so genetics yeah have been seen. it's it's so obvious how the the difference in legalized or social perception of cannabis can influence uh young people's mentality around it when you watch what's going on in afghanistan and the kids are part of the the whole process i don't yeah. want to say it's child labor or anything it seems like a family kind of thing out there yeah. um but yeah though they're, learn, so they're learning skills that will grow them out of poverty ultimately you know, I mean, you see the same thing in places like Morocco and that as well, where it's there. There was a strain hunters documentary. I remember seeing they said something like two point something million people around the world rely on cannabis solely as an agricultural crop. If they didn't grow it, they would starve and die. That's the only thing that they can grow in their region. It's the only thing that's of value. It's the only commodity that they have to trade. So my idealized ultimate utopia, they're the people at the fucking top, man. Mm. because they've got access to it they've got the shit rather than us looking at places like colombia and moving into jamaica incredibly aggressively and going let's exploit some labor you know let's take what they've built over generations get them to sign a few fucking deals and then boom bob's your uncle that's ours yeah yeah they're gonna end up signing over what could potentially be trillions into the future for a small payday now and it basically reminds me quite a lot of the the story of the sale of manhattan um with the fucking was it a gem or a ruby or some shit oh right uh can you tell me about it i'm gonna google this i may have mixed this about something i'll tell you what that sounds like a nice little segue for wrapping this up because i'm falling uh, i'm falling through myself <laughs> um and i don't want you don't want to really hear me yawn for the next fucking 45 minutes um no, well, however it's... i do want to fucking hear about this but something to save i think all right, so people listening, check back. I'm going to fucking Google this and find out what I was actually talking uh, about there. I feel I'm on it, Summit. I feel I'm on it, Summit. I may have just made this up. But... I think you're 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 misremembering an Indiana Jones film. <laughs> I've never seen an Indiana Jones film. <laughs> Maybe you have. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm misremembering it. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Uh, we have only got one more question I'll keep you for, Marty. What does the future hold for you? Yeah, um, we're going to be producing a lot more visual content this year uh we've got this podcast room that i'm currently sat in uh putting out a season hopefully we can have yourselves as part of it but if not don't worry we've got season two um lockdown can be a bit tricky and you're i think you're all the way up in durham right all the way up that's like a five hour drive um uh we're doing more extracts trying to get into the solventless game do not worry we're not going to be cutting it with wax like we spoke (laughs) about earlier that is something i'm strongly against um going to be co-branding things with some not yeah some some musical names like we're going to be working with the rap industry to bring out some cool products um and hopefully 
do something new out of that and bring some more people into the cannabis conversation. Interesting, interesting. A little nudge for you there. Have a look at the Irish rap game as well because it is fucking hot right now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's a little fucking tip for you there. Trust Maybe me you can, on that. If you could send me some names and I'll I start will. doing my homework. I will. Yeah, yeah, we're big on music. I'm pretty much always listening to music. This is the only time of the day I'm not for this. <laughs> hey, appreciate, appreciate you taking the time. If we could actually have music as a, as a background here without any sort of copyright-driven thing that would strip us out, out of YouTube instantly, we probably would. Yeah, you guys should make a little beat just for the simple life. Yeah. Well, you, you, you did pretty well on the um, on the intro there, Maka. There you yeah. go. Let's uh, <laughs> we can, we'll release an album. <laughs> yeah, that, that's basically everything. Where I, I, I'm planning for this year, there are going to be other things. Like we got a flower range as well, which I didn't mention, but that's more focused in the in the EU, and it's mm -hmm. all indoor. We'll be posting lots of photos of it on our Instagram, so people can can see what we're doing. Another thing, actually, I forgot to say is we've we've opened up like a bit of a Discord server, and uh, one of the sections I wanted to to really grow in there was um, this part, this section for people growing at home that want advice from uh, an industry professional. So what people can do is they can send some photos of their grow, and they don't even need to say a question. Like our our grower can have a look at what they're doing and suggest if you would do anything differently. Mm, very cool. Hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> obviously don't say it's in the uk <laughs> exactly yeah you've caveated that so i mean hopefully you will be able to bring these products and like you say you want to move into sort of thc in the wider breadth to be able to explore the potential of the whole plant and i think um that's something that i hope that a lot more companies will will focus on because if you are entirely just a cbd company at this point and not looking forward you might end up missing the boat here um you need to diversify you need to look at what is happening because big tobacco is here big farmer is here big alcohol is here and they're they're taking the drinking they're taking the the consumables they're going to take this market from underneath us unless we're smart and like i say diversify products um i just wanted to add one thing what i was remembering was on may 24th 1629 peter minuit purchased the island of manhattan for the equivalent of 24 dollars worth of beads beads huh beads so beads, I thought, as in beads. like little shitty plastic things Be beads and trinkets even adjusted wow. for inflation this is probably the greatest trade ever <laughs> <laughs> what is that a source of oh it's on a broker website that's why that's why it says <laughs> greatest trade ever i do not agree with that <laughs> fucking end of that sense anyway marty is very we probably didn't cover as many subjects as we did in the first one but that's ah. just all the more reason to have you back again in the future absolutely thank you for having me yeah i'd love to come back perfect uh right folks thank got you got the goods you. got the goods just give a little <laughs> shout out there for your website that's where you yeah oh there <laughs> yeah i don't have the website written anywhere but we've got some messages chill the fuck out nice goods. show them the bottom oh yeah Ooh. <laughs> it's open so oh. <laughs> plus that actually yeah, you can't oh, see it's one of them <laughs> this is this is controversial now we're phasing that that out of the brand because of the whole white yes. power thing. Oh yes, actually, yeah. I didn't even think of that. So that, yeah, that's the if people that don't know that for the visual viewers, that's the game for people that don't play that. I don't know if anybody. Does yeah, that. it's that little. So it's yeah. So <laughs> the fact that's been co-opted white by white power pisses me off. That that's not fair. I've been playing that since it's, a goddamn it, child. It isn't just that though. Um, in certain cultures, that is offensive. Oh really? Yeah, uh, I learned that out 
reading some really weird article about virtual reality. There you go. How about that? Interesting combination. Uh, yeah, sweet, sweet. Um, so, yeah, I can see why you'd want to face that out. That makes a hell of a lot of sense, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, right, folks, if you did enjoy this, please do check us out on Patreon, where you can help keep the lights on and fund this little project of ours for less than a cup of coffee a week at patreon.com forward slash a simple life. You can also find us on all social media, oh, I say all, most social media platforms, including now Twitch at slash The Simple Life. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. You will see us again next week. And uh, yeah, take care of yourselves. Peace and love. Bye. <laughs>